I'm Alex Delay, and this is Vision Vibes. This story was originally broadcast on television as part of NHK World Japan's interview series, Direct Talk. What did you want to be as a kid? For me, it really depended on the movies I was watching. After Indiana Jones, I wanted to become an archaeologist. After Ghostbusters, I wanted to be a physicist. And like a lot of kids from my generation, after Jurassic Park, I wanted to be a paleontologist. At the time, I didn't really understand what any of these jobs entailed, and I ended up going down an entirely different career path. Now, though, looking back, I find that they all had something in common. They were all rooted in a thirst for discovery and curiosity toward the unknown. Today's guest brought all of those childhood feelings rushing back. Professor Steve Brusati is an American paleontologist and best selling author. According to Steve, Modern technology and global information sharing have made researching dinosaurs more exciting, interesting, and important than ever. Why study dinosaurs and what can they teach us about the planet we live on? Let's join narrator Joanna Bartholomew and find out on today's episode of Vision Vibes. Our understanding of dinosaurs has been revolutionized over the last 25 years due to a greater interest in the science of paleontology. Professor Steve Prasati is an American paleontologist based in Scotland, where he teaches at Edinburgh University. He's also a best selling author of several books. In his 20 year career, he has led groundbreaking studies on the evolution and extinction of dinosaurs, and he's named 15 new species. Direct Talk met Steve at his laboratory in Edinburgh to hear about how studying dinosaurs provides a warning from Earth's history and how rapid climate change in the past led to the extinction of different species. Right now, I think, is the most exciting time in the history of dinosaur research. And really, that's because people are finding more dinosaurs than ever before. And believe it or not, but it is true. I swear it's true. There's a new species of dinosaur being found once every single week on average. So, somewhere around the world, somebody is finding a new dinosaur once a week. That means we're getting about 50 new species every year, totally new species that we never knew about before. And these are coming from all over the place, every single continent. Let's face it, paleontology. It used to be a pretty narrow discipline. It used to be a pretty niche field, and there were just a handful of people studying dinosaurs. But the science has expanded tremendously, and there are people all over the world going out looking for fossils. And places like China, Argentina, Brazil, Mongolia, South Africa, these enormous countries that are growing so fast and building new universities, building new museums. It's young people in countries like this that are really behind this rush of new dinosaur fossils. It is generally agreed that the first true dinosaurs arose around 230 to 235 million years ago during the early part of the Triassic period. And that a mass extinction caused by a massive asteroid wiped out most of the dinosaurs 66 million years ago. With better technology to examine fossils, a major reevaluation of the creatures that ruled the Earth for 150 million years is taking place. Over the last few decades, we have learned a lot more about dinosaurs. A lot of dinosaurs were. 
smart. They had big brains. They had keen senses. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because we can study the brains of dinosaurs. We can study the ears of dinosaurs. And we can do this using CAT scanning. We can put dinosaur skulls into CAT scanners. We can use the x-rays to see inside those skulls the same way a medical doctor uses a CAT scanner to see inside our bodies. And we can use those x-rays to put together a 3D picture of what the brain cavity is, make digital models of the brains and ears and sinuses and blood vessels and nerves and so on. And what we find is that a lot of dinosaurs had very big brains for animals of their size. That means they were quite intelligent. And we now know that dinosaurs were incredibly diverse. I mean, they dominated the world for over 150 million years. They were not failures in any sense. They lived for a long time. They lived everywhere in every conceivable environment on land. And there were big ones and there were small ones and there were meat eaters and there were plant eaters. And there were probably many hundreds of thousands of species. So first of all, we now recognize dinosaurs as being one of the great success stories in the history of evolution. They're not failures just because they happen to go extinct. Steve has traveled all over the world examining fossils, and one of his proudest achievements is his contribution to the naming of 15 new species. I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of wonderful people around the world and dig up dinosaurs in a lot of places. And, and that collaboration has resulted in about 15 new species of dinosaurs that, that uh, I've been able to describe and to name with my colleagues. And we're always finding new ones. And sometimes we find them out in the field. Other times we find them in museum drawers. Two of my favorite dinosaurs, new ones that I've helped to name over the last few years. One of them is called Chonjosaurus. It's from southern China. We also call that one Pinocchio. Rex. It's a tyrannosaur with a, a long snout, which is why we gave it the Pinocchio nickname. Uh, and then there's another one called Zhenwanlong from northeastern China. And that's a small raptor dinosaur, very similar to Velociraptor in Jurassic Park. And both of those fossils, I was invited to study them by my colleagues in China. Chonjosaurus was discovered by construction workers down in southern China. They were digging the foundation for a big new building and they crunched their backhoe into something solid and they looked down to see what it was and lo and behold it was a dinosaur skeleton. And then in uh, northeastern China the raptor dinosaur that was found by a farmer out working his land and he brought it to a museum. So anybody can find a fossil. You don't need an advanced degree and that's the beauty of paleontology. One of the greatest feelings of any feeling <laughs> is when I'm out in the field and I find a fossil. We're looking in the rocks, looking for fossils, and something captures our eye, a glint of light. It's a different color, a different shape, a different texture. And we go down and take a look and we realize it's a fossil and it's a piece of bone, it's a dinosaur bone. And in that moment, you're the first person to ever see that. It comes from a world long before there were humans. And that's a feeling that never, ever, ever, ever gets old. One development in recent years is the knowledge that birds evolved from dinosaurs and that many species had feathers. This first discovery of a feathered dinosaur took place 25 years ago when fossilized remains were discovered in China. The idea that birds evolved from dinosaurs, it's not a new idea. It actually goes back all the way to the 1850s, 1860s, the time of Charles Darwin and the time that evolution 
was first presented, Evolution by Natural Selection, and Darwin published his book, and, and those grand ideas were being debated. So a pigeon is a dinosaur in the exact same way that a T-Rex is, or a brontosaurus is. It's part of the dinosaur family tree. And that realization, which was really crystallized with the discovery in the 1990s of feather-covered dinosaur fossils in China. When people think of dinosaurs, there's still this image of this enormous, scale-covered, green-colored, dim-witted, slow-moving, overgrown lizard. That's what a lot of people think when they think of dinosaurs, but that's not true. When we think of dinosaurs, we should think of birds. And a lot of dinosaurs, maybe even all dinosaurs, had feathers all over their bodies. Dinosaurs grew fast. They moved fast. They were highly intelligent. So when we think of animals like T-Rex and Velociraptor, we should be thinking about them being big birds. That is the proper view of what dinosaurs were really like. Steve was born in 1984 and grew up in rural Illinois in Midwest America. After graduating, he continued his studies at the American Museum of Natural History before taking a teaching post at Edinburgh University. His passion for dinosaurs started in childhood. My youngest brother, Chris, he became properly obsessed with dinosaurs. He turned his bedroom into a dinosaur museum. <laughs> he collected all the Jurassic Park toys. He had hundreds of dinosaur books. And it was through him over the next few years that I really became obsessed with dinosaurs as well. And part of it really can be traced to Jurassic Park. And when Jurassic Park came out in the, in the early 90s, that led to this pop culture fascination with dinosaurs that has continued through today, through all of the different Jurassic Park films, motivating new generations of paleontologists each time. And many people in my generation, paleontologists in their 30s and in their 40s, so many of us say that it was that film that made us want to become dinosaur hunters. And when the University of Edinburgh offered me a job nearly a decade ago now, I jumped at it because this is one of the world's great universities. This is the place where the science of geology, the science of studying rocks and studying the earth, it started right here. And Scotland's a pretty small country, really, at least compared to a place like the U.S. where I grew up. But Scotland packs a big punch for its size when it comes to fossils. Some of the most important fossils in the world are found right here. There are some of the, the very oldest fish that change their fins into arms and legs and crawled onto the land, found right here in Scotland. Some of the very first plants that colonized the land and formed the first ecosystems are found right here in Scotland. And we have dinosaurs. We have dinosaurs on the Isle of Skye from the Jurassic period. In Steve's work as a paleontologist, he studies the characteristics of dinosaurs, trying to understand how and why they survived as the dominant species for so many millions of years. What I really want to do as a scientist is, is a couple of things. I, I really want to understand dinosaur evolution. I want to understand how dinosaurs changed over time as the Earth was changing. And then I also want to understand dinosaurs as characters, if, 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 if you will, as animals, animals that hatched from an egg, that had to grow up, animals that moved around, animals that had to eat, animals that had to avoid predators, animals that had to reproduce. And so it's that lifestyle of dinosaurs, putting that picture together of what these animals were actually like hundreds of millions of years ago, that motivates me. Dinosaurs and, and all fossils 
are clues. They're clues from Earth history. They are records of what used to live and records of what the world was like at that time. New studies about dinosaurs remind us that we can't understand their evolution and extinction without understanding environment. There have been five mass extinctions during the last 500 million years of Earth history. According to the United Nations, over a million species are at risk of extinction. There were big extinctions. Lots of species died out all over the world quite quickly. Those are what we call mass extinctions. And we can see from the fossil record, from the rocks those fossils are found in, a sense of how quickly those extinctions occurred. And something that stands out is that, yes, indeed, some of the biggest extinctions in Earth history have been caused by climate change, particularly by rapid global warming, including the biggest mass extinction ever, which took place about 250 million years ago. Maybe 95% of all species died then, and that was a sudden burst of global warming caused by big volcanic eruptions. But even that burst of warming was nothing compared to the pace of warming in today's world. We are probably warming the world at least 10 times quicker than that. So paleontologists like me, I think we have uh, a bit of an unusual view of the world. <laughs> We're always thinking in terms of deep time. We're thinking about things that have happened before. Constant changes in temperature, in sea levels, continents colliding together, drifting apart, megavolcanoes erupting, asteroids hitting the Earth. That's the perspective of Earth history. One of the most maddening things when I look at the world as a paleontologist, as an Earth scientist, as somebody who's always thinking about millions of years, billions of years, it, it is just really maddening when we get stuck in short-term politics. And that is probably the biggest challenge as scientists, when we talk to politicians, when we talk to policymakers, is just articulating how these short-term little things in the human world, they mean nothing on the grand scale of Earth history. From his work as a paleontologist, Steve remains optimistic about the Earth's future, as he believes that with more cooperation and the right perspective, we can find solutions to help protect species of wildlife and address climate change, that dinosaurs provide valuable lessons from history. Dinosaurs ruled the Earth for over 150 million years. And then literally one day, this rock, six-mile-wide rock, fell from outer space, smashed into the Earth, caused climate and environmental upheaval, and the dinosaurs couldn't cope. And very quickly, within a few thousand years at most, it seems the dinosaurs were gone. After ruling the Earth for 150 million years... We are now in the position of dinosaurs. We now rule the world. We are at the top of the food chain. We live on every continent. And the question I pose is, if something like that could happen to the dinosaurs, could it happen to us? And that's the perspective that dinosaurs give us. Dinosaurs make us think about that question. What gives me hope is we know what's happening. We understand how we're changing the world. We know that we're pumping greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. We know how quickly things are warming. When the dinosaurs, 66 million years ago, saw this rock hurtling down from outer space, the asteroid that would kill them, they had no idea. They couldn't conceive of what was happening. They had no way to plan for it. They had no way to prevent it. But we do. We do. We have the intelligence we have the, the consciousness. We know how we fit into the world. 
through our evolution, we evolved big brains, and we need to use those big brains. We've evolved cooperation, social cooperation, in our evolution. We need to use that cooperation to come together and find a way out of our current predicament. Dinosaurs. Their past is the key to our future. One of the big questions you often hear in politics is, what scientific research should we be funding? Everyone agrees we should support medicine and quantum physics, but not so much when it comes to paleontology, archaeology, or any other field focusing on our history. Opponents claim the past is behind us; that we shouldn't waste valuable resources digging it up. And should instead focus on the future. Steve, on the other hand, reminds us that the future is a product of the past. As the famous quote, often attributed to Mark Twain, goes, "History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes." Understanding dinosaurs, the world they lived in, and how they perished, can serve as a valuable lesson for us today, to teach us that we need to think long term about the survival of our own species. Before we destroy our climate forever, and as eight-year-old me would say, another big reason to study dinosaurs is because they're just really cool.、And、that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. You can find the transcript as well as our other stories on the NHK World website. I've been Alex Stelay. Join us next time for more mind-expanding insights from inspiring people on Vision Vibes.